Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope that they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode five of season three of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I want to talk with you about a very important concept, something that has come up over and over again. And each week, as I prepare for the episodes, I listen for what is being spoken to me and offer the words through me back to you. And this week, it was very clear. And I had an idea going in. And actually, I have been running a daily post for Live Inconceivable. As I shared with you, a shift of concept as I close the physical space of my gym, Inconceivable Fitness in Oregon, and moved that concept forward in a different way through daily inspirations of Live Inconceivable. And I have an acronym for the layout of the year, plus one month, you know, the baker's dozen of months. And we are on C for the third month, and the C is connection. And as I was building out the themes and the concepts for this month, I knew that it was key and core to this time in particular. While it may have seemed coincidental, another C that emerges there, it was also very purposeful and very appropriate that it appeared at this time. And so as I was preparing the Inconceivable Connection theme for March for Living Conceivable, and the three areas that I wanted to discuss over and over again, connection was brought up, challenges in connection, opportunities through connection, books about connection, teaching about connection in the course in which I lead physicians last night, which I have to share with you just because it's fun and joyful in this space. It was the third week of teaching on 3-3, and it brought up feelings, and one of the key feelings was connection, and that also happened to be the secondary theme of the night, and so there it was. And today it was brought forward again by members of my family as we talked about the importance of connection, especially in this time. And so here we are. Really, we have no other choice. We always have choice, right? But we can also bear witness to and lean into that which has been presented to us. And so I offer this to you, and I'm going to share with you some stories of connection in my experience and offer to you some opportunities to witness, extend, and cultivate connection with and for yourself and the world around you. So let's go to, which we haven't done in a while, just some baseline definitions of connection. And we can look at the most basic, right? The act of connecting. And it always seems a little bit unfair, right? You're not supposed to be able to use the word to define itself. But there it is, the state of being connected, right? So connection, seeing that activity, that dynamic state. And I think about as we move through a circuit, right? So connection in a circuit where that energy can be continuous, right? It is perseverated, it's propagated within that. 
And so we can look at sequencing. It talks in here too about causal or logical relation or sequencing. And thinking about that, right, what is the next step? So if we think about connection in this linear way, you know, what comes next? What comes next? What is between? Thinking about the domino effect. If you haven't seen it, I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. There's this amazing video of, I think, 6,000 cereal boxes the school had gathered for a food drive, and they set it up as dominoes all through the hallway. And some might think, oh my gosh, cereal boxes on the floor, and then we're going to open them and eat from them. But we can look past some of the details and just embrace the fantastical nature of that moment. And it went on, this video was maybe two or three minutes long of this continuous effect and thinking about the layers of connection in there and having them be set up just so, especially when it's going to turn the corner and when they would do dueling lines and have them compete and come back around. And it really went through. And who knows, it may have been multiple takes. I didn't research it all right. I just embraced that moment. But seeing about the causal or logical relation that's reflected in connection. And then we look at relation or association. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in my themes around the Live Inconceivable month. Coherence and continuity. Looking at that, coherence. So noticing in connection, right? Is it interwoven? Thinking about that. Is there a tight weave to that connection? Or is it loose and can still be connected? Thinking about crocheting, right? Sometimes you can have a really big space between the threads, the yarn, and I am not a crocheter or a knitter, and so I'm not using the appropriate terminology, but you can picture it, right? So those blankets where there's a lot of open space, I can picture them, some that we had in our house, and they were squares put together, and you could see through. There are a lot of holes in that. And then you might think of a really densely, like tightly knit sweater or sock where there's no space between. And is it a different level of connection within those, or is it just simply right? A different way of being. Is one better or worse? They could have different purposes. One might be, right? Lighter weight intentionally. Let air move through. Others might be really tightly woven to serve the purpose of keeping the heat in. But those threads in either of those examples are connected. So there are different ways to be connected. And we can look at coherence. And just thinking about that in general as well. What comes up when you think about coherence, consistency, or ability to integrate, and noticing if in connection we have any requirements around that. Do you have to be a certain way in order for me to connect with, to, for, through you? Or can it be open? And can we notice that we get to be the ones inviting connection and contributing to connection? And that actually, it doesn't really require anything from the other person. And let's talk about that a little bit. And I did have an episode on connection. I thought about it. I thought I really covered this topic because if we look at loneliness and those concepts, it's come up before as a key issue around health, right? It's actually a massive detriment to health to experience loneliness and the lack of connection. And I did have an episode in season two. It was episode three. So it was actually almost exactly one year. It was on February 21st. 2020, so pretty close. So this is the time of year, and we could think about that. And we talked a little bit about February having a little bit of a negative reputation, some difficult connotations, because it is right in the depths of winter, and it's a weird month, right? It's one with its own unique number of days, and it can be disorienting, and that it changes, which can be really amazing 
And I know some leap year babies, right? And there's a lot of amazingness in there, but also it can be somewhat disconcerting. We have moved through kind of all the dynamism of the typical winter holidays. We're waiting on spring. It can be that time when seasonally, you know, it's no longer kind of the novel beauty of the snowy winter, but it can turn into, as it is here in Northwest Michigan, kind of the mucky, muddy thaw time. And so not surprising, I suppose, that connection has come up around this time of year, both in season two and in season three here as we are at this time. And I'm almost inclined to look back and say, what were we talking about in season one around this time? And we talked about self-healing. And interestingly, that's going to come up in this too. So looking at the revolution, like we talked about last week, in so much as that we revolve around or we come back to these topics in new ways with new understanding and new awareness and a different point of view and perspective, and we can build on the experience that we've had. And so I bring that forward to say that connection is key and core to health. And we can look at that in studied, documented ways. We can look at that in the way of lab findings and see how stress is impacted by connection or the lack thereof. And we could look at how that influences our blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation in the body. And notice right, the impact that this sense of isolation can have on us. And that is what we are looking to, it's a combat that seems aggressive, right? We can look to correct. That gets into that idea that something is broken. But perhaps we can look into a space to cohese, right? I like that idea of coherence in there and to cultivate. I love that word. Just sit with it for a minute, especially in this time. So we might be in the depths of winter, although it seems like we're getting a shortened season all the way around. It is also the time when we are starting the planting here in the Northern Hemisphere. It is the opportunity to till the soil, to get the seedlings going, to begin that act of cultivation. So it's in this time when it seems right that all is lost and we're about to come to spring forward, which is one of my least favorite weekends, right? We can change the light of day, yes, but losing that hour, no. And so here we are, right, in March, the 4th of March, 2021, and we are talking about health and connection. And even that word, right, one of my favorite words, and, what is it? It's a connecting word. It brings concepts together. It continues the thought. It bridges the sentence. So let's bring and into this conversation. And so where has connection come up in this past week? And it seems everywhere, but it's only the fourth day of the month. But it literally, I think I could really come up with 10, at least maybe 11 examples of where connection was just front and center and saying, see me, notice me. Honor me, witness me, experience me, define me, recognize me, embrace me, experience me, welcome me. Right? So here is connection in front of us. And what are we to do with it? How do we experience it? Do we welcome it? And so let me share with you the three sub-themes within the overall theme of the month of March, Inconceivable Connection. And the first is powerful association. And what I love about this opportunity is that space we have, that lens we can take to connect seemingly 
disparate ideas, concepts, groups, possibilities. I remember, and I think I may have even shared this with you in a podcast episode previously, in English class in high school, and there are some tangents in this, but that's a tangent, right? It's a connection. It can seem like a divergence and a removal from the concept, but it's actually, right, connecting a new point to that where you began. So we're just going to go with it. And I had a question of the day recently on, do you have any recurring dreams? And people shared theirs, and some were scarier, and some were pleasant, some were in memory of lost loved ones. Many, interestingly, were around being in high school and not remembering homework or not remembering the combination to a lock. And I had to share that one that I have had is this experience of being back in high school and having not turned in my English assignment on time and having not been eligible to graduate. And what that did right, was a domino effect, right? a connection to the rest of my life or actually more accurately, a disconnection. It disallowed me to continue on the path forward. And in that dream, it was kind of a known flashback, but then I said, oh my goodness, I couldn't graduate that. So actually none of this has happened. I haven't graduated high school or gone on to college or to medical school and completed residency, right? It all stopped in that space. So, so fascinating that so many of the dreams were these high school difficulties, failures, fallacies. We could address that and do some interpretation. But The thing I did love about English class when I did turn in my assignments on time and I was eligible to complete the class and get a passing grade and go on to graduate high school and move forward in that domino effect, you know, of my life with more consciousness, more choice than the domino effect. But in so much as that is the example, one of the challenges I loved was the comparison papers, right? When you would bring lyrics from Dave Matthews band into a Shakespearean play, And you connect these points and see the common threads. And so making powerful associations and seeing them and getting clearer at seeing them is one of the brilliant ways I see that we have as an opportunity to engage with and nurture connection. So where do you see what may never have seemed connected, never have seemed to have any similarity or relationship to that you can then put together. It might be two people. And we can think about that in the classic matchmaker sense, but simply in the gathering sense and gathering safely as we are here in the time of COVID. But introductions, introductions are connections and listening in for areas of interest so that you can meet up with this person. You can connect with them in a way that makes sense for the both of you and perhaps introduce them to someone who shares that common interest, or maybe not even so much a likeness, but a compliment. Maybe they have some different experiences, but together, right, they could come forward and make this new connection and synergistically shift and enhance both of their experiences. Maybe it is different concepts, and perhaps it's taking experience from one area of your life and applying it in another. I've seen so much this year, and I'm actually speaking at a conference this weekend on physicians in the non-clinical workspace, which sometimes can seem disappointing, concerning, right? We need physicians to stay in the clinical space and care for patients. Absolutely. And right, there's a lot of learning and knowledge and experience that can be applied outside the direct patient care experience and contribute to health. I had a great conversation with the medical students who I have the pleasure of teaching and with whom I can connect now through this medium of Zoom as we have it in this moment. 
on a broader scale, I can have more students on rotation with me at once. I can work with them in different parts of the country. And we talked about, right, if osteopathic manipulative treatment, the hands-on care that we are known for, that is seen as one of the assets and unique distinctions of the profession, if that's not available off the table, and that's some pun intended there, how do we engage with patients or serve the health osteopathically? And they had so many brilliant solutions that came from training in medicine, but also came from their own unique personal experiences and previous to medical school experiences. So they made meaningful connections that nurtured health and it contributes to making them better physicians in training. And it contributes to the practice of medicine, just as for physicians who take this depth of knowledge of the anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology and treatment options and the inner workings of the healthcare system, and notice this connector word being used frequently, the possibilities and needs of patients and can apply that in other arenas when we are speaking to and connected to the purpose of health, that enhances the opportunity. So powerful association. How do you see that as a method of connection, as an acknowledgement of connection, as a nurturing of connection? The next one is personal relationship. And with this, we're really talking about connection to self. And this is paramount, right? This is a do not pass go moment. It's not a go to jail moment, but it can be interesting. We use that analogy, a be with oneself. And sometimes maybe it does require some isolation. And that's such a fascinating concept. And I was given the book, This One Wild and Precious Life, which is by Sarah Wilson, with the subtitle, The Path Back to Connection in a Fractured World. Now, yes, this is referencing Mary Oliver poem, and it is acknowledged in the book. And I'm early on in the book, but from the introduction, this concept of loneliness contrasted with the need for, at times, isolation to actually find connection is such a fascinating paradox. And I've noticed that, and perhaps you have as well. So in this time of being in a pandemic, I do have, we could see as the good fortune, right, of being with my nuclear family during this time and spending a lot of time together, much more time than previous because I'm not working outside the home. And being together all of the time can actually, and it seems unlikely, but it is possible, make you feel lonelier if you aren't finding the time to connect to yourself. Now, my family is very gracious and very aware of this, and they carve out a lot of time and space for me to make those connections. And that might be in my daily workouts. And if you happen to follow me, I'd say on social media, but it really means Facebook because I haven't mastered many of the other mediums yet. But I do post my daily workout. That is a space right where I connect with myself and sometimes with others, and I welcome that. With daily walks, right? Today, I took the time to go walk by the water and come through in certain practices like reading or journaling, or it's me with my thoughts. But at the same time, right, I'm used to historically working outside the home, being in an office for eight, 10 hours a day, you know, multiple days per week, used to traveling alone for various conferences and the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship last year. And so it's a different ratio and not good, bad, or otherwise, but just noticing 
that time to be with oneself is important. And we can contrast that with people who have been isolated in the pandemic totally, right? They are not with other members of their family. They might be single and not have children. They might be living alone at this time in their life. And due to the nature of the requests for physical distancing and safety measures and a whole number of different circumstances could be totally isolated. And that might not be the way back to connection to themselves. But for all of us, in whatever situation we find ourselves, that is a necessary stop to create and cultivate and nurture connection to ourselves, develop that personal relationship. And knowing what that looks like and what that means and what it feels like and when that battery has been depleted and how do we recharge it. And being able to notice what it is we need to ask for it, to advocate for it, and to also hold space for others to have access to that which does restore them. And so finding that balance, and there's a loaded word for sure, the integration, the opportunity of time together and the importance of connection and contact and the importance of that introspective time where you can connect to yourself and have that foundational personal relationship so that you can more effectively reach out and connect with to for through others. And the third theme in March, Inconceivable Connection, is purposeful community. And you notice the P's, right? The alliteration of those opening adjectives in this space. But purposeful. And perhaps looking at shared purpose. And that is a place where we do that mutually, right? So when we have meaning in our lives, meaning in our work, that's an individual assignment. That's our own why. That can be our just cause as we looked at when we referenced Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game and the concepts there. But purpose is shared, right? And so with whom do we share a purpose? And what is it? Are we clear on it? Do we know what it looks like and feels like and how to tell if we're on track for that? And then what does community look like? And this is where it came up in season two's episode. And I'll put that in the show notes as well, link to it. But it's um, season two, episode three, community. Right, and looking at that common unity, we look at kind of teasing that word apart and then putting it back together. And it doesn't have to mean same, right? It can mean shared, and there can be likenesses, and certainly things like core values. Right? You may look for those with whom you do have a common context there. And also, right, there's room for diversity and possibility and new perspectives in that space. But how are you intentionally engaging in that community and how are you offering connection? And what I want to offer to you is this opportunity that connection is what you make of it. So if it's a feeling that you have and if you're considering relationships beyond that, which you're having with yourself, external relationships with other people, other groups, other communities, family, friends, coworkers, colleagues, otherwise, noticing that you can only control your own contribution, right? That outward giving of yourself into that space. And you really can't control what the other person is going to do reciprocally and how they're going to respond or react or what they're going to offer, what they're going to do with the offering you provide to them. And that can be scary, can be frustrating. I mean, you feel like I'm being so vulnerable and opening up in this space and offering myself 
and my care and my honesty. And they might do all kinds of things with it. And absolutely, it's okay, right, to be frustrated by that, to be disappointed in that. But notice again, frustration and disappointment are coming from your reaction to their action or response or reaction to what you are providing for them. And you get to decide how you feel in that relationship about what they're doing. And I want to be very clear here. You also get to uphold boundaries. So if it is inappropriate, absolutely, if it is unsafe, right, you get to say, that's it. Like I draw my line here and I remove myself from the situation. Right? I no longer participate. I no longer offer this vulnerability of myself in this space, not as an ultimatum, but as an appropriate engagement and disengagement when necessary. Because connection, right, that is only taking from you or is compromising your safety and your humanity in that space is not actually nurturing or nourishing. So absolutely, you have the right and the opportunity and the choice to disengage in that space. And so as we look at these three themes, powerful association, personal relationship, purposeful community, close your eyes if you can, not if you're walking or driving or bicycling or things where you need to have eyes on road. But just take that breath in and notice what connection looks like and feels like and where it is in your body and what images, what people come to mind when you think about connection. Who are your go-tos in that connected space and why? Notice what you're thinking, right? They get me. I can be myself here. I have a role to play. They're supportive. I give, they receive. It's reciprocal. All of these different things you might be thinking in that space. And so just let that come in. And then tune into what connection feels like. And remember that you can access that feeling anytime by conjuring up those thoughts. And connection doesn't actually require anyone else to do anything, And this was in the study, and this was referenced in the previous podcast episode as well, but bears repeating that just thinking about the connection and thinking about the relationship and thinking about the person starts to negate that negative health impact of the sense of loneliness and isolation. And so another moment where this came through, as I mentioned, it was teaching in the course with physicians, talking about the importance of connection, especially self-connection and the ways in which we can engage with that and noticing our feelings, right? That came up. And then tonight in a conversation with my brother and my niece, this shared drawing that we had from a few months ago, I think around Christmas time. And it demonstrated this illustration of isolation. And I'll see how I can share this image with you either in the show notes or otherwise I'll put it up on the website. And two individuals on kind of a Segway or a unicycle, you know, a single-wheeled vehicle underneath them, near each other, but nothing directly connecting them, right? So they're in their isolation, in their space. And you might imagine even the added work of that action, right? And we could think about if you've ever seen someone on a unicycle, there's constant, right, movement to stay balanced, totally doable, lots of amazing core strength, involved, right? You have to hold yourself up. There's nothing else to hold you up. And so isolation can have some of those merits and, right, 
it can be exhausting. And we could look at the detrimental impacts of isolation at different times in our lives for different durations. I'm listening to the book Live Wired by David Engelman right now and really devastating what isolation can do to us at particular times in our lives, especially in those developmental years and certain durations and how that impacts actually, right, the wiring of our brain, of our entire nervous system. And so that's the picture of isolation. And then the middle picture of reaching out. And so they're still on their unique, I'm going to call them, they look like lollipop wheels, but unicycles for sake of the illustration. And then they both reach out and they're reaching toward, but also in different directions. So you imagine these two diagonals, but they're not intersecting, right? And so you can see, and if you think about, if you've ever seen a unicyclist and now I'm (laughs) upping the ante and I'm picturing one on a tightrope at the circus and how when they hold that bar, right? So having this, this item, this element in their hands can actually help them to balance, right? And so it's them connected to something, even though that something isn't connected to anything else, it can improve their capacity to stay afloat, you know, especially now that we're on the tightrope, in addition to being on this unicycle. So noticing the power of connection when it is just something that you are connected to and that you're reaching it toward, you're extending it outward into the world. So you are connecting in a different way, right? Maybe another depth, another layer to the world around you, but you're not yet connected directly to this other person. And so in the third illustration, it is connection. And now there's this reaching out and actually, right, this reaching out those handles, those bars, that stabilizing device has come across and now there are two wheels underneath it and the two individuals are standing on top. And you might imagine, right, this is a much more stable structure. They can be in community on top of it. They may pool their efforts, right? It now may become, instead of a unicycle, a tandem bicycle, which has some of its own challenges. You have to cooperate and work together So it's not automatically easier necessarily, but the opportunity is there to share the load. And you might imagine, right, someone can steer and someone can provide the engine. You might be able to take a break, right? If you you sneeze or you have an itch or your foot gets tired, you can take a break and someone else can keep pedaling for you and you can swap in that space. And so looking at what the benefits are of actual direct connection and shared experience with someone else. And we can imagine, maybe we can find that constructed out in the world where we can together put two unicycles together and automatically create a tandem bicycle. I think that could be done. That seems doable. But noticing the power of moving through those steps and that each can have meritable components, but also, and I used but there, we'll let it ride for this time. Also, it allows us to see the value in connection and to notice when it might be lacking. And there is no one right way or amount. Again, studies have shown lack of any connection can be problematic. There isn't a great ideal on this is the optimal number and I'll investigate and I'll return to you if I discover, is there right the too much, the over involvement because then if it does create the noise or we miss that step of self-connection so i like to think about things in minimum effective dose right so what's the appropriate dose that has the impact which we seek that has the minimal side effects and i've been there too the hyper connection and involvement in looking only externally for those resources and skipping that self part so we definitely need 
to do both and have the opportunity to do both. And I'd love to hear from you how connection is showing up as health and perhaps right, how there might be some challenges for you. And if there are ways you can tap into that self-healing capacity and if connection can help open the door, open the window, clear the lens for you to see that opportunity more clearly. I thank you so much for your time, for your attention, for your participation, for your following some of these tangents and their connections of concepts. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.